The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hello, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Ed of the Week. There's no better way to troll your Trump supporter friends than by picking up Bubble Genius's own tiny orange hand soap set. Give yourself a hand or take two. They're small, tiny in fact, teeny tiny. And they're orange, of course, and smells appropriately of circus peanuts in honor of the GOP's clown dictator. Am I right, folks? Only $12 at BubbleGenius.com, but if you use our promo code CESCA, SESCA, at checkout, you'll get an additional 15% off only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Hello, Bob. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. We interrupt our programming to bring you the following special report. Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. We, we have just received word that buckwheat has been shot. Apparently it happened just moments ago as the legendary performer was leaving 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York. He had just finished making an appearance on Saturday Night Live, and as he was leaving the building, he was shot by an unknown assailant, or assailants. Details are sketchy at this point. Now, I understand that we now have a videotape of the shooting. Let's take a look. Oh, thank you very much. No, again. B, B. No, no. Open the door. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, beautiful. Yes. That was the scene just moments ago. To repeat, Buckwheat has been shot. The shooting of Buckwheat, America stunned. Brought to you by Texan. Life goes on, and Texan is there. For the benefit of those of you who have just joined us, Buckwheat has been shot. Let's take a look. Bob Seska. Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Okay, uh, there's a lot I have to uh, to talk about with regard to the sounds on the show. But before we do that, it is Thursday, March 30, 2017, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob, and we are brought to you by the best soap in the world. Uh, that's BubbleGenius.com, also brought to you by the, the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. If you want free legal advice, head over to TheBowenLawGroup.com slash Bob and Chez, or just click the link on the podcast page. Go ahead and do it. There's actually a there's a Trump Trump tweet today that's appropriate for Charles Bowen. <laughs> in case in case Donald Trump decides to change the libel laws, <laughs> you might need Charles Bowen to help you out on that one. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, before we go any further, let's bring in our uh, very special guest today. You might know her from the Stephanie Miller Show and the uh, the newly relaunched. I am told Jackie Schechner. Dot com. Here she is. It is uh, Jackie Schechner. Hi. 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 There. <laughs> there you, go. I'm, you know, here's the thing, Jackie. 
I uh, I just set up this new system where I've got my sound effects and all of my sound elements on a separate computer running through my mixing board. So and it's and it make, makes for a second keyboard here in front of me. So I've got my main keyboard and then I've got a second keyboard. I'm confused between the two keyboards. So I'll be pressing buttons on my main keyboard and like nothing's playing, nothing's happening. It's because I'm pressing the wrong buttons on the wrong keyboard. So I meant to do this for you, our, our guest fanfare, and of course, a round of applause. For <laughs> Just when I thought you couldn't get any geek here, Bob. I know. Well, see, look, there's certain things that every guest deserves when they're on the show. There, there of course, is the, uh, the, the the goodie bag of all kinds of electronic products and fashion products. And the, <laughs> and the swag. Sex toys, also in the goodie bag. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, you always get sound effects. Guests on this show always get their own sound effects. But, of course, I don't know where all the buttons are. Um, well, on the Stephanie Miller show, I have an entire album of theme songs. So you're going to have to get caught up here. That's right. You've got like nine theme songs. I'm so, I do. I'm so There's jealous of all of your, uh, your various theme songs. I, I need to get Rocky Mountain Mike to make me a new one. Just, just yeah. to, so I can at least be on the board a little bit. I've got one and you've got like nine. Yeah, it's now that's what I call <laughs> theme songs volume four. <laughs> God damn it. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Jackie. There's, of course, so many things I want to ask you about, especially because uh, Trump Care has, Oof. at least at least for now, crashed and burned. <laughs> thank God. I'm so relieved that we don't have to deal with that. And, uh, you know, because I kind of thought that at least the two of us would be writing about this through most of the year because when they said okay we're going to do this we're going to repeal and replace i kind of thought that the replace side would be somewhat similar to what we went through in 2009 and into 2010 with the affordable care act and the ongoing i mean it was just non-stop i mean you were covering it i was everyone was covering it for almost an entire year and it was just this long drawn-out process where it was bouncing back and forth between the house chamber the senate chamber and then the committees between and and i thought it was never going to get done and i kind of thought that that's the way this was going to play out but no no not at all not in the slightest they well just... there were specifics and details in that one exactly <laughs> this was a pamphlet <laughs> right right and which sean spicer pointed out to us he of course <laughs> had to have the visual aids and had the that table was amazing. out amazing that was amazing see how short this is it's Jeez. better that's right and that's that's the one of the many many insane things about how they're how they decided to view health care reform like we can change one-fifth of the american economy in like three pages in 17 days <laughs> in yeah 17 you days. go for it right. uh, the best part is they talk about how they've been at this for seven years yeah. right but the legislation was clearly like you know the d team putting together a overnight term paper i mean it was yeah. there was no thought put into it there was there was no sense of consultation with experts or any idea that they knew what they were doing uh and so it, it went one of two ways it was either like we haven't been at this very long give us some time or what do you mean it was rushed we've been at this for seven years yeah so they just argued whichever side of it was convenient in the moment but there was clearly no actual team or preparation behind it no 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 way in hell i mean the problem was to me too is i i kind of thought going in there was a <laughs> was one side of me going, yeah, you know what? It's going to be the same things that, that you and I, Jackie, talked about, in fact, on the Stephanie Miller show. It was like the three things, the the uh, health savings accounts, the buying uh, insurance across state lines, and, and the other third one, the third prong that I always forget. 
I'll just call it the secret prong. I don't know. Oh, the energy department? <laughs> That's right. No, what was the the, the third thing was uh, the third healthcare thing that the Republicans like is the uh, 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 I can't think of it. But regardless, I, I thought it was going to be something more innovative than that. I thought it was going to be a bigger deal, like they were going to come up with something, some solution that we were all going to be outraged by, but which we haven't really heard before. Like they were going to come up with something that. Uh, that hadn't been contemplated yet. That that neither the Democrats oh, no. or the Republicans. But, but of course, it was the same old crap. Do you think it's that's never why been? It, well, it's never been their agenda. Like the right. Republican Party has never been about fixing our health care system. That's <laughs> that's part of what frustrates me so much. Whenever we talk about health care reform, like I got into the fight. I was the national communications director for HCAN, Healthcare for America Now, and yeah. I had been a journalist for a long time before that. I'd never actually been an advocate, and mm. I got into the fight because I had a personal story. I I didn't have health insurance. I was a freelancer in New York City. Um, I ended up having a panic attack a month after September 11th. And I oh ended up in the emergency room uh, with a $4,000 bill overnight. Jesus. And Oh, look at that. My own sound effects. <laughs> I didn't hear that at all. So whatever. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> it just dinged on my end. <laughs> oh, great. I'll figure it out over here. But gotcha. uh, the, the point being that... It, it came to me as I'm going to be in D.C. I, I'm going to do something I can do here that I can't do anywhere else. Let's see if I can fix this system for people or at least, you know, do my part to help. Right. Um, so it came from a very personal, uh, very intentional place when I started to fight for health care reform. Yeah. The, and that's that's the way the advocates I worked with are and have been. Right. These are people who've been in social action their entire lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. People who work on field operations and communications. And, you know, they used to laugh at Obama being a community organizer, but it's a a very valid thing to try to organize the community around ways that may make their lives better. So just to, to summarize it, it, it came from a real place of sincerity and a real place of wanting to make this community better. And by this community, I mean, you know, the United States community, right? The sense of, of we look out for each other right. and we help each other. Yeah. The GOP doesn't have that on their agenda, right? They're they're about corporate tax cuts. They're about I get mine. They're about if if you're in a bad situation, it's your own fault. Sorry, you weren't born rich. Like it, it's not on their agenda to fix the healthcare system. So the difference is the people on the Democratic side who fought to fix the system had an actual plan to try to make your lives better. Yeah. And the other side is about stopping that or not even putting much thought into it. So to come out now and say we care about people is a joke because they've <laughs> never been about fixing social programs. No it's way. just never been part of their agenda. Yeah, yeah. And, and even worse than that is they just lack a basic understanding of how insurance works. They just don't know how, you know, for example, we just heard the other day in a uh, in a committee hearing something about, well, why should this, I think this is before the, uh, the, the legislation crashed and burned on Friday, but Prior to that, some some member of Congress was like, "Well, why do I have to pay for mammograms? I don't need mammograms." Oh my God, that was amazing. Well, it was maternity. I think it was maternity care. Maternity to leave, or, yeah. Or neo neonatal care, right? And I have to remind men that there is no such thing as immaculate conception. Like, <laughs> no, women do do need a man. Well, not on all cases, but most cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The man is participating, um, or at least contributing. Um, you know, so so yes, if you're going to build a family. Uh, it doesn't need to be all on the mom to pay for maternity care and neonatal care. If, if you're going to participate in that process of making a baby, right. uh, you should be required to participate in the process of taking care of the mom and the baby. Right. And what happens is, is they, they fail to understand because 
I think they can't grasp the notion that everyone pools their money into the system and then it gets distributed. So basically, my premiums right now that I'm paying into my health care plan, that money is being used to finance the, the health care of someone else who, who needs it at this particular moment. And so it, it it's, it's about pooling resources. And that is something that is, I would say, probably pretty loathsome to Republicans. They just don't like the idea of, you know, spreading the wealth around redistribution of finances things like that and and of course that's why they simply couldn't understand how this worked and that's why they ended up i think one of the many reasons why they ended up failing mainly i think the broad stroke one is you're faced with a bunch of people who hate government who want to shrink government small enough that they can drown in the bathtub and and to actually enact something that is in their mind, in using their terms, an entitlement, you know, right. is is contrary to everything that they believe. I mean, they, what was the only time? You know, in fact, I was talking to John Fugel saying on his show about this on Monday. What's the only time? I can't remember the last time the Republicans actually proposed a quote unquote entitlement. Maybe it was. What do you think? It was maybe George W. Bush with Medicare Part D. Maybe, or- but even in, within that, right? There's some there's some caveats that end up helping out corporations. But, you know, I think the the big problem, um, you know, people need to understand, I think, with healthcare in general is that you don't know what you're going to need. I mean, unless you're actively planning a family, right? Yeah. Um, And then you're like, oh, maybe I'm going to need maternity care. But I don't know what's going to happen to me, you know, knock on wood, God forbid, but I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen to me later today. So there, there may be an accident in your future there may be an illness in your future there may be something may happen to someone you love like there's no way to know what your health care needs are going to be mm-hmm. so and even if you take really good care of yourself i mean you know i'm not talking about people who have something like you know a, a, a self-induced ailment of some sort right if you're smoking and you end up with emphysema or you know you're not you're not taking care of yourself and yeah. you end up with an obesity related problem but i'm talking about just your day-to-day life right and you you don't know what's going to happen so the idea that you can shop for insurance based on what you may or may not need is ludicrous there's just no way to know yeah. so the republican concept of you know i i want people to be able to buy what they need like you don't know what you're going to need i mean if anybody encountered the health insurance system prior Prior to the Affordable Care Act being passed, you know that you would go out and buy a plan, which seems reasonable, maybe within your price point, mm-hmm. uh, and then you get sick or you have an emergency, something happens, and all of a sudden you discover that that plan is totally useless. Right. Because you can't, I call it mice type, like the fine print. You, you, you can't, you <laughs> yeah. can't see it, let alone understand it. It's intentionally small and written in a legalese that the average person can't understand. So you buy a policy thinking you got it all covered. And next thing you know, you've got medical debt. I mean, there's a reason why someone went bankrupt every 30 seconds due to medical debt before the Affordable Care Act was passed. But don't you know, Jackie, nobody knew healthcare could be so complicated. No, nobody, God, nobody, nobody understood. Knew. Nobody knew that healthcare could be so complicated. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody knows that. who Susan B. Anthony is, and Frederick <laughs> Douglass is getting more and more popular. Right? Yeah. Do, do you know who Susan B. Anthony is? Because Trump wants to know if, if you, you women know who she is. He just discovered. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's the least read person I've ever encountered in, in, yeah. in modern time. I mean, talk about somebody. You, if it's not on Fox News, he has no idea what it is. Yeah, this is, this is actually, this is an actual thing that happened in the White House yesterday. Donald Trump 
asking a, uh, a summit of women, a women empowerment summit, uh, whether they know who Susan B. Anthony is because he just found out. So no one else must know either. And so he's got breaking news about, you know, Susan B. Anthony. We've been blessed with courageous heroes like Harriet Tubman, who escaped slavery. <laughs> and went on to deliver hundreds of others to freedom, first in the Underground Railroad, and then as a spy for the Union Army. She was very, very courageous, believe me. An incredible <laughs> woman. To, An incredible woman. He's got to throw in the believe me in there, too. As if he's, again, he's selling a used car. It's like she was, she was very, very, who was I mentioning? Was it, uh, oh, oh, Harriet, and she was very, very courageous, believe me. Believe me, an incredible believe. woman. An extraordinary American. Believe me. Oh, my God. And we've had leaders like Susan B. Anthony. Have you heard of Susan B. Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you stupid dingbats. Have you heard of Susan B. Anthony? I just found out. And I'm going to tell you now who it is. Believe me. Believe <sighs> He's so goddamn creepy. He, you know, you notice he's been using his really creepy voice lately. He's been He's so gross. <laughs> and I love how they shipped in Melania to like yeah. deer in headlights, read off a teleprompter. You know, she's giving out a courage award. She's not even brave enough to sleep with her own husband. Let us pray, Jackie. Let us our father. <laughs> I'm so I just had I had to do my Melania. I love it. I can't do I don't have a Melania. But <laughs> yeah, I, I can do the first part of the our our father is Melania. Let us pray. Our I, father. <laughs> Um, okay. uh, I could so, do the dead eyes, but that's about all I could do. You know, by the way, I thought of what the third prong was of the what? Republican. High risk pools. Oh, how, yeah. I mean, how could I forget high risk pools? <laughs> that's one of Thank their... You. All right, Rick Perry. Their main Thanks. Things. <laughs> You're going to be in charge of high risk pools now. The Rick Perry. Oops. Um, we are healthcare experts, and I couldn't think of the third prong. Of the I couldn't either. It's too early. I've only had a cup of coffee. <laughs> I know. We are <laughs> I need recording. A we are recording very, very early West Coast time. So uh, it looks like Paul Ryan took a massive hit, according to the latest PPP poll, with regard to uh, <laughs> in the aftermath of all of this happy crappy on on healthcare. <laughs> Paul Ryan is now less popular than Donald Trump. I, I, I <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't think that was possible at all. Donald Trump, here's the latest from PPP. Donald Trump blamed the failure. By the way, Donald Trump loves the PPP poll. Does uh, he? Yes, he's really <laughs> into the PPP poll. Did he commission it in a hotel room in Moscow? <laughs> That's right, to get back at Obama. Uh, Donald Trump blamed the failure of the AHCA last week on congressional Democrats, but voters aren't buying that. Just 31% think Democrats are responsible for the bill's failure to 52% who pin the blame on congressional Republicans. Trump may be losing out to Democrats on the issue, but he's coming out ahead on the uh, health care blame game within his own party. Overall, voters blame Paul Ryan more than Trump for the failure of the AHCA. HCA 42 to 33, but specifically among GOP voters, 54% blame Paul Ryan to only 13% who pin the blame on Trump. Well, it's hard to pin the blame on someone who didn't read the bill and had no idea what was in it. Right. But it's also, you know, at the same time, though, if you're a member of Congress and you're Republican and you've been flacking for Donald Trump all this time with every ridiculous blurt and tweet and things that he says, like, ah, you know what? Harriet Tubman was courageous. <laughs> Believe me. And 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 that's this creepy indoor voice. Um, and, 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 you know, you're, you're defending him at every turn. And now he can't even help you with legislation. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got nothing. And I and I don't understand why the Republicans are so hesitant to step up and be the guy yeah. that gets out in front of this. I mean, right. there is a gaping hole there. Like somebody, whether it's Lindsey Graham or John McCain or someone in the House, like there is room for somebody to step up and be the hero, like be the guy that starts the movement that says, I'm not going to buy this baloney anymore. Yeah. And nobody's doing it. They'll say something and then they'll retreat again. Like, what are they so afraid of? He's clearly not smart. Yep. He's clearly got no power. He's clearly floundering. He's not well read. He's not well connected. Like, what are they so afraid of? He's like the bully that'll crumble the minute you you even remotely say something that offends him. I mean, it's, it's so obvious. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly right. He's got no eye for politics. He doesn't understand how it works. And he admitted that much to uh, Robert Costa, who I call Muggsy. Muggsy Costa. <laughs> admitted to Muggsy the other day that, it, uh, I didn't get it. I, I thought this was going to be like doing a real estate deal. I didn't get that politics was, you know, complicated uh, and different from running a business. And, and that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is, he doesn't get the fact that he's got to push this stuff. He's, he, can't, he can't go out and say throughout the entire campaign, we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare on day one or whatever the f*** he was saying. And then he, uh, and then he comes out and, and all he does once they've got a bill on the table is to say, ah, it's a very, very tremendous bill, very terrific. And that's all he did. He just, oh, come on, Bob. He left it all on the field. He left it all on the field. He did one, one online video in which he said Obamacare was exploding and that and subsequently, this legislation was going to be very, very terrific. That's basically it. He had no knowledge whatsoever. But it, I guess it also didn't do anything that he promised. I right. mean, that that's a big point, too. It's not like he didn't read it, but it was a decent bill, right? It didn't expand coverage. In fact, it, it ended up dropping millions of people off of their coverage. It didn't drive down costs. There was no cost control in there. Yeah. It didn't it didn't guarantee access to doctors or hospitals. It it didn't it didn't do anything uh, that he had said it was going to do. Not right? at all. It, it, it didn't. It didn't guarantee that premiums or deductibles would go down. Right? right. There was nothing in that bill that was actually a benefit to anybody. I mean, it was so poorly written. It deserved to go down in flames. Yeah. So it wasn't like he made these big promises. It's it's really like somebody sold him a bill of goods, and he's too stupid to bother to check whether or not that was true. Um, but somebody like Bannon or Ryan, whoever it was, Price said, just sign it, it'll be great. And, and <laughs> yeah, he didn't, sign it, it'll be, it'll be he had no idea. He had no idea because it didn't do any of the things. But I don't believe he says anything that he means anyway. Like, yeah, I just it, think he says whatever comes to mind in the moment. Right. And none of it actually means anything. Yeah, I know. No, words have no meaning for Donald Nothing. Trump, I assure you. And I assure you, he did not read the legislation. But the, you know what? There's one thing I want to talk to you about, and this goes to his lack of, of of political acumen whatsoever and it has to do with with medicare for all we're going to talk about that right sure. after right after we talk about harry's razors which i love like every every show jackie right before the show i just shave off all of my hair just my all of my body hair i get my harry's razor i lather up with my harry's lathering shave gel and i just shave off all of my is body that hair. for speed bob that's right i shave off my eyebrows I, <laughs> here's what here's what i do I, I shave my nipples, but, but I leave the rest of my chest hair intact. Oh, that sounds painful. It's, it's so fun, and it feels good. It feels good? <laughs> it feels great. Uh, a smooth, clean it shave. It reduces chafing, is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's right. 
little bit of talcum powder in there, and I'm feeling good. <laughs> a uh, smooth, clean shave from a blade that glides like butter and comes right to my door at half the cost of the big-name brands. That's what I love about shaving with products from Harry's, from the hefty, balanced handle that fits your hand to the precision-engineered five-blade cartridges that come with a lubricating strip, a trimmer blade, and a, a travel lubricating color. strip, Bob. Mm, lubricating. To Harry's Rich Lathering Shave Gel, which I smell of shave gel right now. <laughs> it all started when Harry's founders, Jeff and Andy, got tired of ripped, uh, 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 getting ripped off on blade prices. One big company in particular jacked their prices again and again, rhymes with Schmillette, and made a fortune <laughs> while we all spent a fortune. Jeff and Andy quickly discovered the problem, the middlemen. So they bought their own factory, one that's been making blades for over 100 years, so they can ship top quality blades directly to you. The result? Quality products at your door for half of what you're paying. And that's the Harry's story. Become a part of it. Go to harrys.com right now to try their new shave set free of charge. You just pay the shipping. Sign up at harrys.com slash B-A-N-D-C. And because you're a loyal listener to this podcast, Harry's will even throw in a free post-shave bomb. But only if you log into harrys.com slash B-A-N-D-C. That's it. Harrys.com, huh? The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. Thank you for joining us. All right, we're here with Jackie Schechner, the great... Jackie Schechter, the super smart Jackie Schechter, and we're talking about uh, healthcare. We're going to get to some Trump stuff here in a little bit. There's some fun story. I guess no, fun, none of, really, not none of these stories are fun. <laughs> I, you know, I'm doing a show tomorrow. I'm doing the after party tomorrow, and I think we're going to do just like a mental health day where we don't mention Trump's name at all. Can you do that? I mean, is it possible? <laughs> I'm going to try. God. It's so hard. I mean, it's every moment. Really, I, t- I turn off the television to go do something. I come back and the world's exploding again. I mean, it's there's God. not a moment. I went to yoga and, and Flynn know. retired or resigned rather. Maybe every time you go to yoga, a Trump staffer resigns. It's like if, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its yeah. way. Every time Jackie Schechner goes to yoga, someone in the Trump White House gets fired. I, I was trying so hard. I was like, maybe I can just unwind a little, and <laughs> yeah. not, and I'm not. Even, I don't even do yoga, right? I'm not. Yeah. not it's not one of my things. I, I and I, I was like, I'm just going to calm down. I'm going to take a step away from Twitter. I'm going to turn off the television. I'm going to go to a class, and I get back, and they're like, Flynn. <laughs> God damn you, Flynn. Uh, here's the thing. Here's another reason why the congressional Republicans hate Trump. Their Speaker of the House. Paul Ryan is now insanely unpopular. Uh, At the start of the Trump administration, Paul Ryan had a 33% approval rating with 43% of uh, voters disapproving of him. Now his approval has plunged to, oh my God, I love this, 21%. 21%. Paul Ryan. He's so so likable, Bob. (laughs) Donald Trump is more likable by 19 points. Oh my God. Than Paul Ryan. That's that's staggering. His disapproval has spiked all the way up to 61%. But have they seen Paul Ryan's workout spread? In order to get a full appreciation of Paul Ryan as a as a leader and as a man, you have to see him uh, pounding that shake weight. Just <laughs> taking that shake weight. And going, wah, 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 wah. He loves the shake weight. 
Oh, oh my he's God! He's terrible. He's so terrible. They he all is. are. I mean, I, you know, when they turn around and and try to strip people of their basic human rights, they're just terrible people. There's nothing redeeming about any of them. No, not not a single goddamn one of them. And and Tom Price is another on the long list in the, oh. uh, of the rogues gallery here in the Trump uh, administration. What what do you think he's going to do? What do you think he can do to undermine the Affordable Care Act? So to use that as a bargaining chip to uh, to sort of bring the Democrats to the table to try to fix it. That's a good question. Um, I don't I mean, I don't know if they're going to be able to bring the Democrats to the table. First of all, this whole this whole meme about like Trump now wanting to work with Democrats is the most ridiculous. I know thing it's I've ever heard. If they if they even give an inch to him, I will be mortified. He's he's a con man. He's a grifter. Yeah. He's a liar. There's no reason we should be manipulated by him. He's not even smart enough to do any significant <laughs> manipulation. Right. So to kowtow to that would be embarrassing, uh, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's some things that can be done, right? They're going to, they'll, They'll make it so there's no penalty for not buying health insurance, which right. will then make the insurance companies nervous. And well, do you think? I mean, do you think he's actually going to not uh, enforce the mandate? Yes, I think he'll try. I think mm-hmm. I think that they'll try to. What they'll try to do? There is no death spiral. Right? Well, actually, what you know what? They've already done that, haven't they? Didn't they? Yeah, I, I that just executive remembered. order. Yeah, the executive order yeah. says that it, it would it would undo. I don't remember the exact wording, but basically get rid of any burden, uh, and the mandate's considered a burden. But let me let me just back up because I think a lot of times these things get lost. The reason why there was a mandate, if if you go all the way back, I'm going to mm-hmm. give you a little mini history lesson here. But if we go all yep. the way back when Clinton and Obama were running against each other, right back in 2008 mm-hmm. and we talked about health and health care reform one of the things excuse me was that clinton wanted a mandate and obama didn't yeah and the reason why is that obama said you can't force people to buy something they can't afford mm-hmm. right and but other than that their health care plans were the same right i mean that was the only sticking point and it came up over and over again because the media likes a horse race but that was really the only sticking point when they started to put the affordable care act together it was like okay if we can subsidize coverage then we can put a mandate it was a giveaway to the insurance industry and it said okay we can put a mandate in there we get everybody in the pool that'll ease the burden on the insurance industry because if you remember historically forever they were refusing to cover people with so-called pre-existing conditions that's right so they were mitigating their risk by keeping anybody who had any sort of potential pre-existing condition out of out of circulation the other thing they would do is they would rescind a policy so if you bought a health insurance policy you got sick if they could find something in your history that indicated that perhaps it was connected then yeah. they would rescind your policy they would claim oh, it was a pre-existing condition after the fact right. it, it was so dangerous and manipulative oh yeah so so what they ended up doing when they figured out this affordable care act and it, and it was in some very big ways a compromise but what they did is they said okay, we'll get everybody in the pool via this mandate, right? And then then everybody gets to buy health insurance and then you've got a larger pool to draw from and that'll help ease some of the burden. There also were these risk corridor payments where it said, you know, in the years that we ramp this up, we're going to help subsidize the insurance industry a little bit to help them kind of cover the cost of having more sicker people in the pool because they've been avoiding these people for so long. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you start to get rid of the mandate, what happens is 
the young invincibles, right? The people who think they're never going to get sick uh, <laughs> or people. And, and frankly, people don't buy health insurance because they don't want it. They yeah. buy it so they can't afford it yeah. because they can't afford it rather. So you get all the people where it's they're scraping by and it's really hard for them afford, to afford health insurance. You get the people who think they're never going to get sick. They don't buy health insurance and then the premiums are going to skyrocket anyway. And what they're hoping, I think, is that they can then turn around and blame it on the Affordable Care Act. And, and the responsibility of Democrats and advocates in that moment will be to point out that as Republicans dismantle the Affordable Care Act, that's why it's having difficulty. Like putting those pieces together is going to be a huge media relations communications piece of all of this on the Democratic side, because there's going to be this slow attempt to dismantle it and then say it was going to die anyway. Yeah, right. There was just a basic lack of understanding of of the connective tissue between repealing the mandate and the existence of subsidies or repealing the mandate and the existence of the pre-existing conditions language in the original Affordable Care Act. They didn't understand that you can't keep the pre-existing conditions language and then get rid of the mandate or you can't have and then you can't have the mandate without the subsidies. Those three things to me kind of group all together as you oh, sort, yeah. sort of outlining to you. It's- all interconnected. And and I think part of the big problem, too, I mean, look, there's a huge messaging problem, right? When people yeah. don't know that the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare are the same thing, y- you failed. And you failed miserably. And I know why that happened. Because Obamacare sounds like a giant government-run program. Yeah. Just the word. And a lot of people hate the black guy, right? right? So Yeah, well, up- and then they also made a big deal about the size of the legislation, as Sean Spicer, uh, uh, little Sean Spicer continues to do. I mean, to me, there's no greater evidence of where racism came into play when once Obama's out of office and all these people are at town halls screaming that they don't want to lose their health care, right? Like when it was <laughs> when it was Obama's, they hated it. Yeah. But now that he's out of office, they love it. So, you know, yeah. it, 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 don't tell me it wasn't it. racial. It absolutely was. But the, the, when you start to talk about Obamacare and it was it was a derogatory term from the beginning, it yeah. was coined to make it sound like it was a dangerous big government program. I know what Obama was trying to do when he got up and said, I don't mind because it means I care. Like I get it. He was ill-advised to do that. Mm-hmm. It, it, what we should have done is fought that all the way through. That it's not because people didn't understand that the Affordable Care Act is a law that incorporates a lot of big things. Yeah. And it wasn't just you don't buy Obamacare. You don't. I mean, if you ever listen to me on any program, <laughs> I always say Obamacare is not a thing. Yes. Right? You don't. You don't enroll in Obamacare. You don't have Obamacare. You don't buy Obamacare. Right. It's it's a nickname for the law that gets rid of pre-existing condition exclusions. It's the law that says you no longer can have lifetime caps. It's Uh a law that says that you can stay on your parents' plan until you're 26. It's the law that says if you're going to buy a plan through the exchange, you may qualify for some premium support, a subsidy. It's it's the law that did a lot of really good things for a lot of people in the states that were allowed to expand Medicaid. It expanded Medicaid. So it's it's all-encompassing, and it did a lot of amazing things that people didn't even realize were being done on their behalf. That's right. That's right. So now the problem is that if you try to demonize it and 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 you try to take it away you're taking away all of these little not even little but all of these pieces mm-hmm. that made people's lives so much better and and it's a messaging problem and the democrats have to get out in front of it and they need to hammer home again and again and again all of the components of the Affordable Care Act. Yes. And the really frustrating aspect to all of this, Jackie, is the fact that the Republicans have been so good at demagoguing it and, mm-hmm. and, and creating things like death panels and, and you know, all of these other, like, uh, all these other kinds of demagoguery going on around the bill. Well, while the Democrats can't f- 
fucking find anything to praise about the legislation. And when they do, they don't know what to say. They don't know exactly how to praise it. It is a it has been since day one. It has been a nightmare when it comes to the Democrats actually ballyhooing the advantages and the greatness of this legislation, because I've been saying and when I say greatness, here's how I've been looking at this legislation as as being something that was tremendously sexful, successful. You can take out <laughs> and sexful and, and sexful. <laughs> yes, ex- of course, some of the essential health benefits in there um, <laughs> have to do with sex. Uh, the the you can take out the marketplaces entirely out of the legislation and you can you can go along. Let's say just for and giggles we're going to go along with donald trump and say okay the marketplaces are collapsing and a lot of the insurers are pulling out of the individual marketplace right you still have two other massive aspects of the affordable care act that are groundbreaking that are Mm -hmm. landmark pieces of legislation in and of themselves and that's the Consumer protections, the essential health benefits, that side of the legislation, and the Medicaid expansion. Those two things were massive and would in and of themselves be massive health care reform successes. And the pre-existing conditions. I mean, that was a huge one because if you went out on the individual market, I mean, the reason why I couldn't get health insurance you know, after after I, I had my, my incidents, because then I had an yeah. anxiety attack, right? And then right. that was a pre-existing condition, even yeah. though it, you know, it's totally controllable and I don't have them. But, you know, it's something that the insurance company looks at and says, that's a pre-existing condition. So well, that's a huge thing. It's like you, you couldn't go out on the individual market and get insurance. It wasn't possible. And meanwhile, you had the Republicans talking about how uh, um, Congress was exempt from Obamacare. This is one of the things that drove me bananas every time ted cruz says it for example drives me up a wall and he says uh congress was exempt from obamacare which is such a it's such a weasel phrase it's such an, a nonsense phrase because what we know is that the the affordable care act required members yes. of congress to if they want to have employer-based insurance through their jobs as members of congress and also their staffers they now have to get uh, uh insurance through the Obamacare exchange in Washington, D.C. But they also get it subsidized through their work the same way that other people get it. And the the subsidies actually come from the government because their employer is the government. Exactly. And and that is something that was asked for specifically by a coalition of John Boehner and Harry Reid. They both backfired. And what they do is they ask, but they asked for this. They asked for this premium sharing that covers 70, what is it, 72% of the cost of premiums per month for members of yeah. Congress and their staffers. That's yeah. just a continuation of the old health care plan they had through the government. Now, Correct. now an Obama, a plan through the, the D.C. exchange. And uh, they turned that into being the, accept, like the Obamacare exemption. They twisted that into being we don't have to have Obamacare, which is just insane. I just, it just used to drive me up a wall, the fact that they would somehow conflate these two things, the fact that they got continued premium sharing, which was asked for, again, by a coalition of Republicans and Democratic leaders who went to the White House and said, hey, please, <laughs> they asked Obama and Sebelius to add this rule that says that they continue the premium sharing. And that, that how, that's how it all came about. And yet they continue to frame that 
as being an exemption from Obamacare. And it's worked. And they've got uh, millions of people believing that Congress is exempt from Obamacare. It is staggering to see how effective that is. Well, uh, it's effective because health care reform is complicated. Right? And, right. And it's true. Well, no, nobody, I mean, you nobody really... knew. Nobody knew that. But, uh, well, also, people just don't understand how it works. Well, people don't understand how it works. And so the Republicans take, can take advantage of that. Right? Okay. It's easy to confuse people yeah, when yeah. the topic is confusing. And like I said before the, the previous break, I want to talk about Medicare for All. We're going to get to that right after. Uh, we're going to talk about watches here. <laughs> Do you wear a watch? Uh, you know, I'm not a jewelry guy. I've never worn a lot of jewelry. I've never oh, worn. Please, any- I saw you pierce your belly button, so don't even tell me you're not a jewelry guy. <laughs> That's right. I've got my scrotum pierced right now. In uh. fact, That's, uh, I'm just really, really into jewelry. Uh, <laughs> but actually, no, I, I don't wear any jewelry. But when uh, I heard that Movement wanted to sponsor the show, uh-huh. uh, I, I took a look at their watches and I, I said, these are fantastic. Well, I said, I got to get this Calypso watch. I got this great Ooh, Calypso what does it watch. Look like? It's got the uh, it's got a brown, uh, not, not brown, bronze. It's, it's got the bronze main part of the watch. Ooh. And and uh, black uh, black hands and a black face and it's oh, just sounds cool. It is a fantastic looking watch. I was wearing it in fact when I was on the Stephanie Miller show. As you can see, it, well, I'm uh, actually on the show. If you want to go back on uh, Free I'll Speech have to go TV, go back and look. Yeah, check it out. It's a familiar story. I knew there was something about you, Bob. I didn't know it was your watch. <laughs> it is my watch. It's a sexy, sexy watch. It's a familiar story, <laughs> but it's about a company that began much the same way as this uh, podcast that brings you this show. But this story is about a couple of college students who wanted the kind of stylish watches they were seeing on others, but like a lot of college kids, they were broke. Nothing that stylish with any quality was affordable. Little research showed them that quality and fashion don't have to be expensive if you cut out the middleman and sell directly to you online. So little by little, they started their own watch company in much the same way we started this show. Even the company's name is high, uh, is high fashion. MBMT for movement. People ask you about your... People ask you about your movement watch with its classic design, minimalist style, and quality construction. I get compliments on mine every day. These are watches that would sell at a department <laughs> store for 400 to 500 bucks, but with movement, uh, they make them yours starting at just 95 bucks with free shipping and free returns. That's why Movement is the world's fastest growing watch company with now over a million sold in over 160 countries around the world. And because you listen to this show, you get another 15% off that already amazing price. Just go to mvmtwatches.com slash Bob and Chess. That's one word, Bob and Chess. Be like us. Join the movement. mvmtwatches.com slash Bob and Chess. Go do it. Do it. Do it right now. Shove Bob Seska into your pants and haul him around with you wherever you go. The Bob Seska Subscribe Show. to the Bob Seska Show in the podcast section on iTunes. See, I pressed, I pressed the wrong button. Oh no! It's all of my, all of my buttons are screwed up. I meant to say, <laughs> I meant to do this. Hello, Bob. Rachel Maddow saying hello to me. Oh, Actually, no, you... she, she's saying hello to Robert Costa, not me. Oh, really? <laughs> but I, I like to sit here and fantasize that. Oh, Rachel Maddow said hi to me. Hello, Bob. Hello, Rachel. I like that. So nice of you to stop in. Jackie Schechner is here, and we're talking about healthcare today. Um, all right, so here's the thing. You want to talk uh, about Medicare for All? Medicare for All, absolutely. And I mentioned this to you on the Stephanie Miller Show when we were both on uh, a few weeks ago. And here's the thing. Donald Trump could do something miraculous and groundbreaking and it could actually save his presidency and he's too dumb to actually do it. Now, we know one thing for sure. 
Donald Trump today went after the Freedom Caucus. He started tweeting at the Freedom Caucus. Well, he started tweeting at the Freedom Caucus the other day, but he tweeted something right. else at the Freedom Caucus today. The Freedom Caucus, he said, will hurt the entire Republican agenda if they don't get on the team and fast. We must fight them, meaning the Freedom Caucus, the Tea Party, <laughs> and the Dems in 2018. Okay, so Donald Trump is already going to war against the the far right of, of his party, at least what's considered popularly as the, as the far right. I would consider Donald Trump to be very, very far right. But it's the crazy Tea Party wing of the party. I mean, is he totally Monty Python at this point, right? Like, he's yeah. got no arms, no legs. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Tis but a flesh wound. That's all he's saying. <laughs> and uh, and so, so here's the thing. Now that he's really just sticking it to the Freedom Caucus, he could actually do this. He could, Donald Trump could propose Medicare for all and be the hero of healthcare and completely change the the, the the entire spectrum of the healthcare debate shift the solutions over to the republican side as he could be the guy he could be the nixon to china guy who says you know of course with donald trump it's not nixon to china it's nixon to china and uh <laughs> and then there's the indoor voice china china all right uh so i mean so he could actually do this and I got to ask you, Jackie, this is sort of a question and, and sort of a, a, I don't know, a strategic political game that I've been playing. What would you do? What would you think if Donald Trump proposed Medicare for all? How would you digest that? I don't know. I, I, I regurgitate it. I don't My answer you know. Precisely. I, I couldn't digest it. I, I, I'm, I'm Trump intolerant. Um. <laughs> be like, huh? Yeah, I mean, that's no. basically be my reaction. Yeah, I can't, what? I can't, di I can't digest Trump. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it, it, here's why it won't happen. And, and I hate to say this, but it's true. Yeah. Until you get money out of politics, you're not going to be able to get rid of our for-profit healthcare system. That's right. There's too much money tied up in how Congress operates. And the reason why when we were fighting for healthcare reform, we got a lot of a lot of flack from the single payer advocates. Why did you negotiate from the middle? Why didn't you start with single payer and come towards the public option? Why did you start with the public option? And I had to explain, and, and let me preface this by saying that the more I learned about healthcare and healthcare in this country and other countries, the more I became a proponent of a single payer national healthcare system. I think it's what would work best to take care of each other. I think it's a really smart move. I think there are ways to do a combined public-private system that works in other countries. So I'll, I'll kind of lay that foundation. But to say that the reason we didn't start all the way left is because it was a total non-starter. Yeah. You weren't going to be able to get anybody to the table if you came from a position of single payer right. because there's too many for-profit entities in the mix. Oh, God, I'm so, so glad to hear you say that because that's something that's been a bugaboo of mine since uh, since 2009. Everyone's screaming, why didn't they start with single payer? And I'm just like, what? It, well, no, there would have been no start. You can't get everyone to the table if you start from something that scares people. Exactly. And single it scares people. It would have yeah. been just like Trump care this year. It would have been, yeah, it, been completely. Everyone would have bailed on it. No one would have wanted much, to attach too much to change, it. too much upheaval. You have to explain to people what it means. It's right. so easy to say uh, national healthcare system, death panels, waiting in line. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it, it it's too easy to argue against. So you can't even start there. Um, so what you had to do was start with what Obama started with. If you remember, he spent eighty percent of his advertising in October of two thousand eight on healthcare ads, and he argued for 
the public option. It was, you know, a mix of public and private. Yes. And that was what we were advocating for is healthcare for America now. So, yep. you know, that that was where we started from because it was a reasonable starting point. You know, now where we got wasn't everything that we wanted, of course, but we did okay. And it's a starting it's it, it was an opening of a door. Yeah. Um and if we look at where we are now seven years later, uh, a lot of people have ended up with with more coverage. And yes, there, we need more cost control. There's a lot of changes that need to be made. Um, but it, we definitely have made some progress, and I think that's undeniable. Short of that, do you think there's any possibility to add a public option to the Affordable Care I would Act? love that. I yeah, think that's the too. next big step. I yep. think that if we get out in front of it, we start to explain what the public option is, why it's the cost control measure we need. You know, Let's bring Jacob Hacker back out and explain why he came up with the idea of the public option. I mean, I, I, I think it's so easy, and I, and I get frustrated with Democrats for not messaging better around any of this because there's so much work that can be done. I, you know, I do what I can, what little I can, and, and those of us who understand it try. But putting a public option in the mix basically says to the insurance company, show us why you charge so much. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like it's the difference between Medicare and like Medicare Advantage plans, which are fourteen percent more expensive. Right. Like you, you, you don't have a profit motive with Medicare. You don't have a profit motive with the public option. So you can cover costs, and you can say, okay, this is what it's going to need to make the system work. I don't have to buy the public option if I don't want to, but it's an alternative, and it likely will be less expensive. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they won't be able to negotiate in bulk, so that you'll have a network that's got some good doctors in it. You can build up something that's sustainable and then you have to say to the insurance companies prove to me why you're more expensive yeah prove to me why that band-aid is five dollars you know like prove it yeah and they'll they'll have to do that i mean there was there were two sides to the public option two things that made it great which was the economic side and then of course the moral side if you're going to force people to buy insurance why force them to buy insurance into a for-profit system that was always the objection that i had about the individual mandate Uh, you know basically any health care plan that includes an individual mandate has to also include a public option and that was really what i was pushing for through most of 2009 with the stuff that i was on on my side of things i was doing a lot of that like saying we got to have this public option Mm -hmm. because it's there's a moral aspect to it you don't want to have to pay for something into a for-profit healthcare system but at the same time the economic side of this was the the public option was crucial to helping to bend the cost curve Mm -hmm. because they could make the public option much more affordable because the overhead would be much lower i forget what the over i forget what they were anticipating as the overhead for a public option like three percent or something yeah it it would be it would be very very low and and I think this comes back to also understanding how the insurance companies operate, right? They don't compete for your business. The insurance companies don't want to don't want your business if you're sick, right? They don't right. they're not competing to see who gets to cover the sick person. The insurance companies compete against each other to see what the market will bear. Mm-hmm. The monopolies, the idea that there's only one insurance company in particular markets long predates the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. This has been happening forever. I mean, if you look at what your choices were before the Affordable Care Act came into place. I mean, United, Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. I mean, that was it, right? There's no, I think United, right? But there's no, there's no plethora of insurance options to choose from. It's, no. it's, it's the same large companies that hold monopolies in states. They were yep. highly concentrated markets long before the Affordable Care Act came around. 
So they don't, they compete to see how much they can get. They know you need health insurance. So they compete against each other to see what the market will bear. The profit model is make as much money for our shareholders as possible. That's what they're mm -hmm. legally obligated to do because they're for-profit businesses. So the idea that you're going to eliminate state lines and let insurers sell across state lines is ludicrous because it's, they're not competing for your business. It's not like you're going to the market and you're picking one of 17 apples. That's like, right. If you need to eat an apple and you got two apples in front of you and one's, you know, one's a little less brown than the other, that's yeah. the one you're going to choose. But well, that, it's not the same thing. And that was the dumbest thing about the selling across state lines prong of the uh, of the American Health Care Act is that what they did was they 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 sold it as something that would be effective and that which all health insurance companies would obviously do. Obviously, if they've been given this opportunity to sell across state lines, they, of course they will, but they won't and they haven't. Every state that has passed selling insurance across state lines legislation, the, the insurers don't want to do it. They, they refuse to do it. And in this case, with Trump Care, there was no mandate that they had to do it. So, of course, they wouldn't do it. So that, in fact, completely nullifies a one third, like a massive third of the the Trump Care legislation. Uh, what we've come to know is Trump Care. Thankfully, well, there's I'm a so reason it's why there. it's. Yeah, right. But there's a reason why it's bad for the consumer. Yeah. Like two reasons, actually. One, because consumer protections are state-based. So if you can sell across state lines, your insurance company is going to set up in Delaware like your credit card company. It's going <laughs> right, to set up right. in the states with the loosest regulations. And the other thing is the way insurance works is there's networks are regional. Networks are, are local and regional and in some cases statewide. But if you have an insurance policy in California that's based in California and you're in Nevada, like good luck finding a doctor that's in network. <laughs> one last, going to take one last break and come back. And, and I want to talk about uh, real quick before we wrap up the show, I want to talk about Planned Parenthood right after oh, these, <laughs> right after these words. You can't always get a clean. You can feel good about inside and out unless you're using bubble genius bath and body products. See bubble genius is a woman owned small business proudly creating our vegan friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Okay, welcome back to today's show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, still figuring out these buttons. The stupid, stupid buttons today are not... Oh, Bob. Not Another man who can't figure out the button. I know. I can't, I can't find the button. <laughs> None of you ever can. <laughs> so here's... Uh, 
here's some uh, good news and bad news. Which do you want first, Jackie? Yeah, hit me with the bad news first, then we'll end on the good news. Okay. Well, the bad news is that Paul Ryan still plans to defund Planned Parenthood using reconciliation. Okay. What's the good news? (laughs) The good news is... The guy who made all of those terrible Planned Parenthood, obviously faked and selectively edited Planned Parenthood videos a couple of years ago, that guy is has been uh, indicted on felony charges. I saw that, like 15 uh, charges. Yes, Woo-hoo. absolutely. I love that. Um, go big or go home, dude. Seriously. Um, he was also uh, charged in, in Texas, I believe, and those charges were, were thrown out. But then in, in California now, let's 15 see. 15 charges in California. Yeah, huge felony charges for both David Delighton and, uh, and who's the other one? Sandra Merritt have both been charged. Uh, California Attorney General Javier Becerra announced that uh, the charges against David Delighton and Sandra Merritt on Tuesday, saying the state, quote, will not tolerate the criminal recording of confidential conversations. So this is all about the uh, clandestine recording, uh, both on video and audio, of uh, mm-hmm. various Planned Parenthood officials that were, it was then selectively edited to make it sound like Planned Parenthood was, you know, going to some uh, subversive black market somewhere selling fetus parts to, you know, the, the highest bidder, and, which wasn't going on at all in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Not not yeah. in the slightest. And no. and how many I, I, I lost track of the number of investigations statewide and federally that disproved and debunked all of the claims from these videos. It's something like twenty different state uh, investigations that found and, and many of them Republican attorneys general who determined that all of it was was bullshit. That I measure all of it on the Benghazi scale. Is it more or less than the <laughs> Benghazi hearing? That's right. I mean the the amazing thing though is that they're being uh, they're being charged with invasion of privacy, and there's nothing as far as the charges go, of of saying you know what they completely misrepresented uh, a Planned Parenthood. But I guess Planned Parenthood is going to have its day in court too because I'm I'm sure uh, those lawsuits continue. <laughs> I know there are many lawsuits uh, brought by Planned Parenthood determining that uh, of course everything that was being claimed in those videos was absolute nonsense. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of misinformation about Planned Parenthood too. I, yeah. I, I you know, I I didn't understand a hundred percent kind of how this works, and I learned the other day. It's not like the federal government writes a check to Planned Parenthood, right? right. Like that's that's not how it works. Like Planned Parenthood will perform, um, and not abortion, but mammograms and screenings, and you know all of the procedures that it does, the wellness exams, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and then it bills for them, right? They get reimbursed right. for those services. It's not like the government writes a big giant federal check to Planned Parenthood and says, use this as you see fit. So, and, and federal law prohibits Planned Parenthood from using money on abortion anyway, already. Mm-hmm. It's already illegal for Planned Parenthood yeah, to use federal money. Right. To use federal money for abortion. So a lot of the, the, to do about it is based on misinformation about how money is funneled to Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and, and it's so true that n- like 97% of what Planned Parenthood does is, has nothing to do with abortion, right? It has to yeah. do with women's health and screenings and care. Um, and I, and I think it's super important that we continue to make those services available. Um, I, you know, I, I love the, 
the GOP dogma where it's like, you know, we want we don't want you to use contraception. We want to force you to have a baby if you get pregnant, but we don't want to give you any help taking care of it. And we don't want <laughs> to, right. yeah, we don't want to give any money to social services. So it's, it basically, I have this new theory where if you're going to force me to have a baby I don't want and can't afford, then you have to raise it. Yeah. Well, it's, it goes back to the old Barney Frank statement, which is that, uh, according to the Republicans, life begins at conception, but ends at birth. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally true. Yep. Jackie, thank you so much for being on the show today. We've got the uh, we got the postmortem show coming up next. That's so it. It went by so quickly. I know it just whizzes right on by, uh, which is also Donald Trump's favorite way to describe shows. They just <laughs> they, they whiz right by. Get it? Uh, okay. Yeah, so I get it. There's new information, by the way, about the PP tape, and we didn't even get to it. God damn it. That's okay. We got the postmortem show coming up next. Jackie's going to stick around for that. That's at patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. Go sign up now. You can get the postmortem show for $5 a month. Is that where we get into the dirty stuff? That's where we get into the six. That's where we can uh, we can use more profanities. We can use ah, more profanities on the postmortem show. Break it out. That's right. Uh, so sign up at $5 a month at patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. At $10 a month, you get the postmortem show plus uh, two after party or you get... God, I don't know how many after party. One, one after party a week. It's my show. I can't even remember how it works. And at $15 a month, you get all that stuff plus an unbelieved commercial-free version of the show that you just heard. Patreon.com slash Bob Stick around. Postmortem show is next. Thank you, Jackie. We'll see you on the uh, My pleasure. postmortem show. Bye-bye. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. Thank <laughs> you.